Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Spotify Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Oh, baby, that was a uh, <laughs> thorough ass kicking. You know, only how this can't. They had 23 shots on goal in the whole game, which is uh, you know absurdly low. Uh, they had four power plays and one shot. That's, I mean, that seems hard to do, to be totally honest with you. Uh, this team is, yeah, I saw a comment in the uh, in the discussion in the text chat earlier that said uh, regressing to the mean. And yeah, they are uh, they're looking a lot more like the team we expected them to look like recently uh as compared to what they were at the start of the season when they were i mean it's not like they look good but they were winning games they were scoring more goals uh than we expected them to and now my god they just stink i i don't i badly didn't want to here's the you know they get out shot 32 23 and then you look at the block numbers the Flyers blocked 20 shots. <laughs> like the Bruins only blocked nine. You know, that's that's a huge disparity. Just like the shot attempts, the Flyers just never have the puck. And they don't really seem to have a way of uh of getting it. They're now seven seven three on the season. Um and I, this isn't yeah. The Boston Bruins are also excellent. This moves them to 15 and 2. They have been incredible this year. Uh, the goaltending has been better than I expected. Uh, you know, the oh yeah, you know, they're getting a little older. Maybe they don't have quite the you know dynamic talent they did now that they're aging. They're a little more injury prone. At least through the beginning of this season, uh, the Boston Bruins look like an elite team. Um, it's <laughs> it's really kind of incredible. This <laughs> it's it's hard to watch this team some nights, folks. Uh, if not for this post game, I wouldn't even had it on tonight. I got to be honest with you. The Flyers are a thoroughly uninteresting team right now. Uh, but let's see what you all have to say about them. Uh, let's lead it off with Johnny Dyer. What's going on tonight, Johnny? Oh, you got Johnny, oh, you got that mute button. I got it. Oh, there you go. Hey, man. I just want to say that I'm going to miss those takes about how Torts is going to make this team play above uh, what they really are because no, he's not like he's not, (laughs) they are garbage and it is wonderful. I am. I feel great. I was like, man, they're going to pick 14 again. I I bought in. I was like, man, he's going to make them play better than they really are. And I'm watching. And I was like, no, he's not They're. I think Warren said it in the chat. Like, yeah, they're they're probably they might pick top five. Like, I guess they're they're god awful, and it's despite them really trying and really thinking they have a team. Besides, be, even though Fletcher's like, oh, yes, you know, he's rock hard thinking about this team, and they are terrible. Yeah, uh, I do think they'll have a chance in a lot of games against the more. Like that's the I think they can still beat a lot of the mediocre teams. I don't think they're like yeah, they're going to get rocked when they run into the Boston Bruins like they did tonight because Boston is just so much better. Uh but 
I do think and now it hasn't shown itself, but against the Columbuses of the world and the more like the middle tier teams, I think maybe that gets them to that 14th pick. But you know, on nights like tonight, when they just show you what they really are, it's hard to think they're anything but one of the worst teams. I mean, Columbus, didn't they just smoke them like again? Yes, uh, Columbus yeah. is an example. <laughs> Columbus is an example of a middle tier team, but they have right, beaten right. multiple middle tier teams throughout the season. <laughs> I think in those games they will have a chance in them, but when they play teams with top end talent, they just they're going to get rocked. And like, it's what's make this even more infuriating is like kind of what you said. Like, yes, it's early in the season, but like, how the fuck is Boston still good? Like, how are they still good? It's like Pittsburgh, where people like wait, like eventually they're going to be bad. Like, when? When are they going to be fucking bad? When is this team going to be bad? And then, then our team can maybe like slide into a spot and be like, okay, we're like being mediocre might get you in the playoffs. Like, it just doesn't happen. What did we do, Bill? What did we do? Besides support uh, this dumbass team. I, good you for know. Jim Montgomery, by the way. Like, I that's who I wanted uh, yep. the Flyers to bring on as their head coach this year. And honestly, like, I'm such a sadist, I guess, where, like, I love that, like, I want Johnny Goudreau to stick it to him every time that he plays them. I want them to put him to put the dagger in him just because, like, oh, screw you then. And the same with, like, this guy with Montgomery. Like, I, I think he would have been a great coach for this team. Not that I got anything against Tortorella, but like this is the guy I thought would be fantastic to put in. So every time he plays him, like stick it to him. Anything to help get Chuck Fletcher out the door is a good thing. Yeah, and everything that one like proves us right. Like I really wanted Jim Montgomery too. <laughs> no, like I really wanted Jim Montgomery too. I really wanted Johnny, and it's just like John Tortorella will not be here when this team is good again. Now, Boston is good right now and good for them, but like Jim Montgomery is your young guy. If you're going to yeah. go through growing pains and if you're going to grow a culture and like have young guys that you want to bring along, maybe hire a coach who's going to be here when they're veterans. I don't know. You know like, yeah, like Jim Montgomery had <laughs> – there's a chance of that happening. Like John Tortorella might – Stop showing up to work tomorrow because this team's so fucking bad. And then, like, <laughs> and I wouldn't Just blame him. Ride on. horses off into the sunset. Yeah. Oh, like, he's got his horses. He's got like all this. What does he need this aggravation for? Like a couple of years, <laughs> a couple of years here at most, and he's gone. Uh, I believe maybe he's looking to like establish himself, uh, like to move up in the organization, not be the coach, but be something else throughout and, and good for Tortorella. I hope that happens. That would be cool. But I just, it, it didn't make well, sense. Baby. Yeah. It didn't make sense from the start because it just, everything exemplifies that there's no plan, John. Like that's what yeah. it comes down to. There's no plan and it's so obvious. Yeah. When we as fans who like don't do this for a living have better ideas for a plan than the actual organization. Like that's, that's not good, dude. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I'm right well, I there say, with uh, you. Congratulations on your guys' uh, 300th episode. It was awesome. Uh, thanks for doing these uh, post games, man. I need the therapy. Thanks, Bill. M- much appreciated, Johnny. Yeah, like, and I'm not even saying my ideas are good or would work. Uh, I just think that they're better than Chuck Fletcher's. You know, that's that's it. It's a low bar to clear. I I, I don't think I could GM a team to a Stanley Cup. I'm not insane. I think I could do a better job with the Flyers budget than the guy that is in charge. And I think most people I know could too. Uh, Let's go to Zach Boyle. What's up, Zach? 
Hey, Bill. How you doing? Very well. Very well. Good. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can't really be too mad about what happened tonight because it's Boston and they were. Oh yeah, like they're awesome. Yeah, they were like like an eighty eight win percentage or something like that on the season. So it's something insane. But the one the one thing that I I've had a problem with over the past two seasons and it really showed its head today. Ivan Provorov. That dude. If there was a simple play, he would make the most difficult version of it every single time. I've never seen someone just make their job exponentially more difficult the way that he does. I just, I can't believe how thoroughly unimpressive he's looked. Like, he looked better to start this season, and I think overall he's playing better than he has, like, the last year and a half or so. But just thoroughly unimpressive all the time. I just the thought of him being a top pair defenseman is laughable at this point. I just don't understand. How can you be seventh overall draft pick and come from the Russian hockey school where like they focus on skill and finesse versus anything else and you can't handle the fucking puck? How many times have we seen it bobble over his stick at the blue line and then it go the other way for a two on one? What the fuck are you doing, man? That's, he came to North America too early. He really needed to stay over there a few more years. It is like I wanted in that draft. Like I always joke now, like in the last, uh, in the first Columbus game when it when the the scoring went uh, Goudreau from Wierenski and then Wierenski from Goudreau. Like oh yeah, look at that. The two biggest Ron Hextalls and uh, Chuck Fletcher's biggest mistakes coming back. I, I, I joke, but I wanted Provorov in that draft, and one of the reasons I wanted him was because I was like, oh cool. A Russian defenseman. That sounds like fun. And he's the opposite of that. They had to get a guy from South Jersey to handle the puck for him. Yeah, it, it absolutely blows my mind. And, and the other thought I have on that is like, all right, so if you're Chuck Fletcher and you think that Rasmus Ristolainen is worth a first-round draft pick and, and whatever else, why don't we just flip this guy? I mean, he clearly hasn't worked out. He's had multiple years of, of just being piss-fucking-poor. The team just isn't... It, this just isn't it for him. Like he needs to go somewhere else where all of his mistakes of trying to do way too much every single time can be hidden. And if you think you can get a first for Rasmus, who's playing third pair minutes, you could probably get an entire roster for Provorov. Uh, it's, <laughs> I would love, I, I, it's just, why don't they do it? Because they don't have a plan. That's what it all comes back to. Cause they think this team can win. The, I, I, it, None of it makes sense. Absolutely none of it makes sense, Zach. Like, why don't why didn't they flip Ristolainen at the deadline last year? Why are there still veterans on this team? Why is Travis Sanheim signed to an eight-year contract like at the absolute maximum amount of money he could possibly ask for? I, I, I'm baffled by the direction of this franchise. I could get drunk on my couch tonight, fire up NHL on my Xbox, and GM a team better on the most extreme difficulty, better than they could. And and, and I realize that's a video game, but like I could do that piss drunk. It just it makes absolutely no sense. And one other question, then I'll let you go. Who do you think gets traded at the deadline, if anyone? Oh man, I mean, I gotta believe as long as JVR is healthy, you can cover half his salary and get something. Like I. I hope they trade everyone that's not fucking nailed down, but they have so many guys on long-term deals, and the only thing teams don't want is term. Like, it's the uh, it's it's a poison pill. Like, oh, yeah, well, I would love him, but he's got four years left, so absolutely no way. And uh, that's half the team. 
hopefully everyone on a one-year deal is moved and they just start the process of building this thing over a year yeah, too late. I mean, uh, just, just fill your roster with ECHL guys. Why not? Um, that's basically what you have now anyway. But all right. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. Thanks for jumping in tonight. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to uh, let's go to Patrick Reed Miller. What's going on, Patrick? Hey, Bill. Long time no see. Hey. Yeah, it's been a little <laughs> bit, right? Man, that was. You know how we were all excited last week that maybe they could be something, but then I'm just like, wait till Thanksgiving. Just look yeah. at our next ten, ten games, uh, and it, it 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 looks looks pretty bleak. They just, and they could turn it back on at any point. I really, I just kind of thought the wave would last a little longer. Like they'd start feeling good about themselves and maybe we'd get a little bit more. And ultimately it's good. Like it's good that they lose as much as possible. It's what I wanted coming in. It's, it's what's best for the long-term health of this franchise to lose as many games as is humanly possible and get yourself the best uh, chance at a great draft pick. Uh, but uh, it's it, it doesn't make watching them any easier. Like, oh, I want them to lose, so losing is yeah. But sitting down and watching the game, I can't root for Boston. Like, that's not something I can make myself do. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Ivan Provorov, yeah, I I think something's got to be done. I, I I really think the social media stuff really he he's too into that people commenting about his play and stuff. I really think it hurts his feelings. I, maybe that's it. I, I don't know what it is. He's just... I thought Torts would take the phone away. <laughs> he just... he. We hear so much about how he's such a hard worker. He's a workout machine. We know he can play all these minutes. We've seen him have success before, but he's just regressed so much. He's just, like I said earlier, thoroughly unimpressive. He never does anything that I'm like... Oh, damn. Yeah. They, even if he makes a good play, it's like a very basic, like, okay, yeah, most most people would make, you know, he it, he just does nothing that says, oh, yeah, first first pair defenseman, definitely. Nothing that says that to me. Yeah, and, uh, well, to even more bad news, I wonder what's uh, going on with TK because uh, I think he hurt his hand or something. Yeah, I heard hand or wrist. Um, maybe we'll get an update during this, if not tomorrow, but – yeah, like one of the guys who's actually been interesting to watch. Um, yeah, if he's out any length of time, I mean, they're it's never going to score. Yeah, we're, Owen Tippett maybe picks it up, but like, uh, yeah, he was connecting was like what almost a point per game to start the season, I guess. That's yeah, he's been really up. good. But uh, yeah, another boring one, I guess. Uh, we'll see. What Thanksgiving brings, maybe Chuck Fletcher will be at the door, and I'll end on that one, Bill. Thanks as always. All right, appreciate it, Patrick. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, Harris Barnes, good to hear from you, Harris. What's up tonight, Bill? How are you? Very well, very well. Harris, I got a DM from a guy today who uh, lives in Columbus, and he said he was at one of the one of the Flyers Jackets games. And just struck up with a convers struck up a conversation with a guy next to him, and halfway through just goes, "I know this guy's voice," and it turned out to be you. So yep. you are now getting recognized by voice uh, because of your appearance on these shows. You're basically the co-host, Harris. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a funny encounter, um, but 
does do all these results and just the whole timeline of the past 10 years um, make it seem like both Hextall and Fletcher fucked up in their like different unique ways. Like eventually you can't just draft everyone and expect, Oh, everyone's going to work out and we're just going to win with all of these guys. Eventually you have to cash um, in your chips and turn some of these guys. Cause not all of them are going to work out into players that will help you win a title. And even if that means losing the battle, losing the trade to win the war, like that's what you have to do because look at what Iserman did. And he didn't win the cup as the GM in Tampa, but he, screwed up several times or looked at, okay, we have to turn some of these young prospects into actual players that help us because we're in a position to. And I don't know if it's part of it is that the Flyers weren't quite in that position other than maybe once or twice. And the both GMs realized that they weren't close enough or they were just too patient enough with the approach it just it seems like they completely screwed up on how to run a franchise and they're still in the same spot yeah ultimately they both they both made huge mistakes and I, that's a really good point about uh you know not just drafting guys and hoping they're all going to work out and crossing your fingers but like when it kind of looks like maybe morgan frost isn't going to be anything but just a guy i don't know trade him before his value is completely non-existent you know like Jonathan Druin and obviously Jonathan Druin much higher touted prospect uh guy with seen with much more upside at the time but can't really catch on in Tampa it's not working out so rather than just like have him up and down between the minors and rather than give everyone a look at just how good he isn't you trade him for something you need and like, and, and it works out immensely for, for Tampa. Look at Sergachev this year. Like he's yeah, having exactly. a breakout year. Yeah. They're Sergachev's awesome. And I just, have they traded? They haven't traded any of these guys. They're all here or just like gone. Like Nolan Patrick, because he can't play, got traded. Phil Myers, because he can't play, got traded. And Phil Myers was a year too late. Uh, it, it was just, it's on that's it like everyone else is just kind of still here doing nothing yeah because like they got they turned patrick and myers into ellis but like literally everyone except cody glass from that three-way trade is like hurt and made well i mean i guess myers is not hurt but like none of those guys or a lot of those guys have just been hurt and won't play and then like myers and glass like don't play for their teams really so yeah, Myers is like a six, six or seven. And he's a seven like, in Tampa yeah. and, and glass is a guy who like is like a quadruple a player right now. So, um, but it's almost like they're so scared that another Justin Williams, Patrick Sharp is going to happen That's, again. They're terrified so, of that. Yes. So they saying they, they, they're so afraid of losing the battle, even if like, they need to see a plan through and they're just too scared to like when they drafted. And I know uh, Morin was the um, still the Holmgren regime. They drafted Morin, um, Sanheim and Provrov three, their first first round pick in a row, three straight years. Did they really think that all of them would be able to fit on the same team? Like that's like, so, okay, maybe Morin's going to be the sixth guy, but you drafted him 11th overall. Like, why do you let 
like him lose all of his value. Provorov has regressed in value. You already had Ghost. I mean, I guess you didn't know that Ghost would be a monster. You like Ghost. Uh, Ghost's value regressed so much. They and then they haven't drafted very well and developed very well, and they've had some bad luck. But they are literally in the exact same spot um, they were in because of poor vision and um, not being willing to make like tough decisions. Like imagine like that's what happens with Giroux, like the team never being built around him properly. Like imagine if, um, if Iserman and then Breezeball just decide, yeah, we're n- never building around Stamkos and they obviously had better picks and they, they did build around through the draft, but imagine if they said, yeah, we're just not building around Stamkos and Edmund. We're just going to think that, yep, Brett Connolly is going to figure it out. And, Slater Cuckoo is going to figure it out and just never trade him. Like I, that's the thing with Eisenman as a GM is that he knew that he had to get value out of certain guys, even if he made the wrong pick in hindsight and he got value back and whether or not it ended up working out in the end, he, he made those tough decisions to realize, yep, we lost here. And then we have to at least cash it in on some return. And he it, never let like the clock just run out. You know, it was never, okay, well we'll wait and see. And it's, all right, well, we, we found out for real, and all these things are completely worthless, and now Giroux's in his 30s. Like, that's that's what happened with Giroux, and he didn't let those things happen. Uh, Iserman didn't in Tampa. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's it's one example, and Tampa is, like, one of the best-run organizations in, in sports and hockey. Uh, but that is what you should strive to be, right? You know, I know it's a tough comparison, but if they're not trying to be that team, what what is even the point? Yeah, because like the Iserman and Al Murray, the head scout there, they saw that okay, yeah, we drafted Hayek and Howden, they're decent, but they're we should have drafted Debrinket, and they turned that into McDonough and uh, two year or a year and a half of JT Miller, which turned into Blake Coleman. The Flyers could have done that. I know same division with the Rangers, but they had Rupsoff and LaBerge, and LaBerge did get hurt, and that's unfortunate. But they had other similar prospects in that range, and they let. Like LaBerge, it just it fizzled out because of the concussion. And like Rupsoff lost all of his value and they drafted him 22nd. Um, yeah, I, I just don't get it. They expect every single player they drafted to just magically come up and be really good. Like Wade Allison is what he is. Um, they gave some people a chance, like Torinsky and Bunneman, and then those guys have no value and whatnot. Like, I just don't understand. And then that one deadline where they were good, they just acquired Derek Grant and uh, Nate Thompson. Nate Thompson, yep. Whereas, like, Tampa traded for Goodrow uh, and Coleman, and did they lose the battle in those trades? Did they overpay a little bit? But yeah, but you have to do that. And they but like out. you don't you don't lose the battle when that pick is pick thirty two because you won the cup. You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you lose the battle in twenty twenty seven, but you you're yeah, going yeah. for it because you have Kucherov and Stamkos in their prime and Hedman in their prime. Like you have to do it. And the Flyers have they're scared that what happened in the early two thousands um, and then like the end of Holmgren's era of like just trading away too much and make too many brash decisions will happen again. So they, they weren't, they never committed. Well, they committed like Hextall committed fully to just like draft kids and hope they develop, but they didn't draft well enough. Yeah. And then yeah. they didn't turn them into anything. And like, it, it's cool to want to draft and develop, but 
All right, well then trade Jake Voracek and Wayne Simmons while they have value, not like not at the end, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, commit I'm- to actually doing this thing, or or go for it. And they did neither because there was that rumor that at the 2018 draft they maybe D- Dubis wouldn't have bought it, but they could have gotten the first that became Sandine from the Leafs, like that late first. They could have gotten that from. Um, from the Leafs by trading him Simmons because the Leafs, I think, wanted Simmons at that time and they didn't do it. And then they waited and then Simmons had no value and they turned like a 30 goal score on a cheap contract into Hartman into Pitlick to nothing. Is that correct? Yeah, I think yeah. that is. So, yeah. Um, it's just, it's like someone should write an article on just the mismanagement over this or like G should just write it himself because he's seen it all. He's like, this is how you don't <laughs> do it. I would love, and thanks a lot, Harris. I appreciate you as always. Uh, I would love, uh, like a Claude Giroux, what I was really thinking. Tell all. Now he's a classy guy, and it seems I, I, I bet money he would never do such a thing. But like, I would love to know what he really thinks about the management, the coaching, everything that went on here during his, uh, during his tenure, because. It can't be a positive thought. I know he wanted to stay here. I know it was his his home. I know he was proud to be a flyer. But, my God, looking at the way this team was run and their just inability to build around him whatsoever, I I almost feel bad for the guy. He's a he's a millionaire, so I don't, but almost. Uh, let's go to Nikki Hall. What's up tonight, Nikki? All right, testing. Yeah, I got you. All right. So um, I was watching both this game and I was watching the Avalanche and the Hurricanes game tonight. And you know something I realized? What's that? We're far from a Colorado Avalanche <laughs> and we're nowhere near a Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes lost. Yep. So. yep. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that game was a hell of a lot more entertaining than this one because and like I, I don't know what our deal is with starting Carter Hart against Boston, because th- 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 does management realize this is the same team that torched him two seasons ago? Like, not saying that he it's, had a bad game, but like they just don't have, they don't trust Carter Hart is the starter unless he just can't be. Like that's the thing they're gonna they are gonna start him in as many games as is possible. And that's mm-hmm. going to result him getting hurt in like January, but mm-hmm. uh, there, unless it's like a back-to-back situation, there will be, or you know, the other night when he was sick, uh, he's going to be in. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to really say. I mean, the first period there wasn't really much. I mean, I feel like it was kind of just a matter of time because, like, they got that one goal in the second, and then it just ended up as a 4-1 like I was realistically expecting us to get blown out I wasn't expecting a win tonight I can say that much but like <laughs> um at the same time I think this is around that time that you know the quote-unquote hot teams that are steamrolling right now by the time postseason rolls around they hit a wall so that'll be fun to watch both the Devils and the Bruins hopefully happen (laughs) there's really not much else i have to say about tonight other than uh it's boston and it's in boston and yeah we've won in boston but it is hard as hell to win in boston especially when you have a lineup (laughs) 
Oh, it definitely is. And thanks a lot, Nikki. Uh, it's listen, this this they were never beating the Bruins. It wasn't a question of that. Uh, and it's again, it's good. They don't. It's good that they don't. It's just like. Oh. When you think about anything other than the right now, like, OK, they lost to Boston. Boston's way better, whatever. But, you know, everyone wants to and as we should examine this bigger picture and man. The bigger picture is fucking depressing. Uh, let's go to Warren Brody. What's up tonight, Warren? Hey, how you doing? Very well, very well. You know, I, I thought it was uh, interesting about halfway through the game when Konechny got hurt. We had Zach McEwen. and I think he was the number one and number two right winger. Uh, because, you know, I guess they had uh, the other guy that they traded for, Zach. Uh, but what's, go- what's going on, Zach McEwen, uh, you know, he loves this guy. Coaches love this guy. I, it's he, it, he seems, I'll tell you, when he's on the ice, stuff happens. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But he's really trying. He's flailing around out there. And things happen. And when you're in, like, old school eye test guy, like most NHL coaches are, you go, I don't know. Things happen when he's out there. And I, that's oh. that's all I can take from it. Coaches love him. All I know is we have a lot of waiver pickups. We have Nick Sealer. We have a lot of guys yep. that can't that we can't win with. And uh, you know, I'm, uh, something uh, I was thinking about Farabee and Lawton. Uh, there are no shows. Uh, where what is going on? Some you know, of these I was guys they about, disappear. I was thinking about Joel Farabee uh, today and earlier this week, and. You remember, like, with the Giroux stuff when it was all going down last year and Giroux, like, told Farabee, you know, I want you to break all these records. Like, you know, he he really looked like he was on one hell of a trajectory to start his career. Like, through the first, like, two and a half seasons, he was basically on the same goal-scoring pace as David Pasternak. Now, maybe it's still recovering from the surgery and everything he had, and I'll allow him that. It's definitely possible. But he has just been a non-factor this year. Yeah, and there's there's – there's the same thing that's been going on the last few years where guys go through games and like Morgan Frost scored two goals the first game. He hasn't scored since. It's the same old stuff. I, this stuff with Tortorella after the game, I'm getting a little tired of hearing, oh, this team needs to figure out what they are. I think we all know what they are. They they were a little hot at the beginning of the year, but this is not going yeah, to be the good. goalie had like a 970 save yeah. percentage. So they won some games like that's and that's good. what happened. You're you're right you're right about that, but it's interesting. I was watching their Urson a little bit, and he looks like a really good goalie. And you know, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Uh, you know, if he has a good season, uh, you know, they they may have to blow this up. And I wonder if Carter Hart's going to get traded. Well, even because uh, we need us, we need some centers on this team. We have no offense. It's it's atrocious. That's even if they don't. It, even if they are to hold on to Carter Hart, and I assume that they will, you really have to have a young, homegrown backup goalie behind him because they need to spend money everywhere else because they don't have any talent in the system outside of a couple of guys who might end up being really good, uh, but they don't have anything. 
So they have, they're going to have to spend a ton of money. That means you can't go out and get a veteran backup goalie. You have to have a cheap homegrown option, whether it's Sandstrom or Urson or whoever. Maybe Fedotov shows back up next year. Who knows? But, like, it, it, they have to do something at that backup goalie spot because they can't pay for one. They have to pay for literally everything else. And yeah, I don't think these guys can keep up the pace. He wants them to wants them to play, and I think I'm, we're starting to see that. And they're getting injured again, one by yeah. one. Yep. So yeah, I, you know, it's it's we're gonna have the phantoms up here soon. And honestly, that's probably for the best, Warren. Yeah. So have a good night. All right, take it take it easy. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's there is something to like especially now with the schedule really condensing, like they're, they're playing, you know, October. I thought the schedule was a lot more spread out. They had, you know, three days off, four days off a few times. Uh, now let's, I mean, they've played, they've had two days off twice, but they've played every other day since Tuesday, the eighth. And now it's the 17th. And they're going to keep doing that through next week. They have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday after Thanksgiving, uh, and then finally two days off again uh, before a game on the 29th. So it's it's playing at that – playing the way John Tortorella wants you to play is very difficult. That's why he has a shelf life. That's why he's not for everybody. And doing it every single night, yeah, it's real hard to do. They're And they are starting to get hurt. They are starting to get beaten up a little. I, I – I do wonder if they can play this way uh, for, I mean, they clearly can't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not a wonder, but like, does it lead to them seriously going in the tank even more than they already have? And that would be saying something because they've lost like what? One, two, three, four, five in a row. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, Montreal's next there, but, oh man, uh I'm definitely betting on Cole Caulfield to score that one. All right, let's go to uh, Zach Weatherholt. What's up, Zach? Hey, you got me? Yeah, what's up tonight? Oh, not a lot, Bill. Uh, you know, I knew this was going to be a hard one. Well, I knew the Bruins were going to win. We all knew the Bruins were going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so frustrating to see Carter Hart. Like, Scott Lawton in the postgame said Carter Hart bailed us out a few times, and that's like the understatement of the year. Like, Carter Hart plays really well, and he can block, but he needs a defense with him. And, like, I don't think that there's just getting rid of a player or trading a player or pulling one guy in. Like, we need to just – this is supposed to be a rebuild, and we just didn't get it, you know? Yep. And so, I, it's all part of the plan, I guess. You know, we gave Risto and uh, Sanheim big old contracts. Uh, it's it's just, like, I, I want Carter Hart to be traded. I don't want to see him go, but, like, I want to see him perform well on a team – that could use him and utilize his skills before he, you know, he's not going to get much better, but he will eventually get worse. You know, it's, it's just, it's frustrating to see a player like that. It's the whole thing. Like I think Kelly said it on the last broad street hockey. When you trade your, you know, your longest tenured captain in franchise history, the best forward on your team, like that's this, that signifies we're going to, rebuild we're starting over 
and they just went, yeah, nah, we're not doing that. We're basically we're basically doing the Ron Hextall plan all over again, except you don't have Giroux and Voracek to drag you to the playoffs in their prime. Like, it's the exact same plan. Yeah, we're going to try, uh, but also we're hoping to draft. Like, no, man, you got to do one or the other. You You can't be in the middle. Well, and even any of the guys we have right now, like, I don't see almost any of them developing into a Drew or into, you know, even... Oh, God, no. Like, you know, it's... So, what do... We just have guys. Like, they're just dudes out there. And that's... They, it's just so... It's just, it just shows that there's no plan. I mean, there's apparently a plan, but there's no plan. Yeah. Like, that's the... Uh, as I just saw someone put, like, we're nowhere even close to, like, a Buffalo or a Montreal. And they're not because, like, you look at Montreal. Yeah, they're bad. But, okay, Suzuki and Caulfield, that's that's a starting point. Like, the Flyers' starting point is still hypothetical. It's Cutter Gauthier. And then hopefully whoever they get in this next draft, you know? Like, Gauthier's an 18-year-old freshman in college. Now, he's killing it. Uh, but we, we, we don't know. <laughs> like, that's the starting point, And he's in college. We, we have no idea. Yeah, it, it's just it, – it's just like I know that we're, we want to lose games. We want to draft well. But it's like it sucks to know that even next season's probably not going to be great no matter how well we draft. Like, you know, it's – we got to look like two, three years ahead to even have a hope of having a decent team, and that, that just sucks. That's that's really all I got. And no, Zach, I'm right there with you. I feel you. Thanks a lot. It's, it's a bu- – you can look at tonight's game and be like, oh, man, that's hard to watch. That, that wasn't That wasn't that fun. And then it's like, oh, if you look further down the road, it gets it gets even more depressing that there's no, you know, I, I say all the time there's no plan. And, you know, I know what that means. But then I start thinking, like, oh, how long does that affect them? Like, having no plan right now means what do they do next year? What do, <laughs> What does this team look like in two years? Is it still the exact same team? But with, like, Cutter Gauthier? Like, yeah, probably. They have so many guys locked up. Uh, imagine if Sean Couturier can come back, but is just a shadow of himself. You know, that's that's the worst case scenario uh, for the team. Uh, it, like they're just stuck with this guy on a long term deal. Who uh, they're they could be in even worse shape than we think, uh, just based on like what the possibilities are for some of their like injured guys like Couturier and the way other players turn out. But all right, let's go to uh, 69. What up, 60? Hey, Billy, you got me? Yeah, what's up? Uh, first of all, congratulations to you, Steph, Kelly, and uh, Charlie for uh, 300 episodes. I got to tune in a little later and catch it on the podcast feed. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So – what does Tampa, Colorado, and the New York Islanders have in common? What do they have Besides in common? Their, uh, their first pair defense, uh, first defense makes less than Risto and Sanheim next year. <laughs> I don't awesome. know. I really don't know how Chuck's like keeping his job after this year. That's, like, there is no shot. We say this every year, but like, man, there is no shot. No, and that's, you know, the the Flyers' budget and Comcast Spectacore's budget is a blip on the radar for a mega corporation like Comcast. But at a certain point, someone has to look at these books and go, 
you know, what is the return on this investment? You know, even if it's, I always say an owner should, and it's different because it's a corporation, not a guy, but an owner should uh, treat his team like a boat. It's something you just sink money into and <laughs> have and have some fun. You're not looking to make money off of it. And if you do, that's great. Uh, but like, I even even with that perspective, I'd be looking at this team like I'm not sinking another dollar into this fucking thing. Look at look at how they're mismanaging my money. Like they just set it on fire. Every, it's unbelievable that they have zero cap space. They are over the cap, like with their true roster, and they're horrible. And even if like even if Ellis and Couturier were healthy, they wouldn't be good. They'd be mediocre at best. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess Comcast is uh, publicly traded, but there's no fiduciary responsibility for uh, Chuck Fletcher by any <laughs> means. But yeah, I guess not. Um, also, you mentioned on the podcast uh, or on one of the shows recently that uh, I guess all of the all the jobs that you've had before the companies have gone under. You've never been <laughs> fired. Yeah. So how do we get you a job with the Flyers? That's <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, well, they they listen, so uh, I'm I'm hiring or I'm I'm available. Flyers. All right, thanks, Bill. All right, take it easy, sixty. Thanks a lot for joining tonight. <laughs> uh, they would never. Uh, Efrain, what's up tonight, Efrain? Efrain, hello. Try that mute button. All right, I've got nothing from him. Uh, let's go. All right, Harris wants to jump back in. What's that? What's up, Harris? Um, I just saw that, or I remembered that. Yeah, Chuck made the wrist line and trade, and if that was a win now move or whatever the hell that was, like you traded the first round pick, you you finally trade one of your picks because in theory, yeah, it doesn't matter that much in the present. But you trade it for Ristolainen, who was already on the massive decline. And even when he put up points, he, like the, most of them were on the power play on a bad Buffalo team, and he was winning the Green Jacket, which is is NHL fans know like that's a negative award. That's the worst plus minus. Like you trade a mid first round pick, really high value for a defenseman who everyone knew was declining and provides no value. So like they they didn't even do well in like one of their most pivotal trades, even like. You know, last his first season here, they lose Ryan Ellis, and after mm-hmm. having just given up a first round pick for him, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna put Justin Braun on that first pair with Provorov because uh, Risto doesn't belong there." It's like, so you traded a first round pick for a guy who can't even fill in on the top line, like before they knew that like Ellis was never you know gonna play again. It was like he can't fill in. It's it's not even something we're gonna try. And so, well, we like him with Sandheim. Like I, I I like a lot of things, but sometimes I'm forced to do something I don't want to do. No, it was yeah, Justin Braun, who's 104 years old. We're gonna try him. Yeah, he can't skate or keep up, but he's 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 decent enough in his own end. Uh, like it's they knew he wasn't that good, and they were still like, yeah, but he's hard to play against. Like, obviously not. He's never been on a good team. Yeah, like that guy doesn't – he's never helped a team win. And I know it's it's a team game. It's not all his fault. But, like, did he just, like, micro-analytically in Buffalo, did he help – like, while he was on the ice, did he help them win? No, not really. 
he didn't like yeah he... like it was just it, it was just a guy who hits they wanted a big guy who hits and that's fine for not a first round pick if he's on your third pair you know like i i think there's a there's a need for some physicality i also think like we talked about this on one of the shows recently the definition of physicality has changed like the game is so fast if you chase hits you're just out of the play i don't care if you knock a guy unconscious it's still just four on four the other way uh like being physical is winning battles it's it's getting the right body position it's not getting out muscled it's defending the front of your net. He does none of those things. Yeah, I really like being physical. Yeah, winning board battles and like actual big hits, they don't really matter if it's on sucky players. Like if you're hitting bums, if you're hitting fourth liners, like who cares? Like you like at least intimidate the other team's stars. Cause like I still think intimidation is a factor, especially with some of the soft skill players. Like at least if you're going after them, you're getting in their heads a bit. And like he he has not like upped his hit total and his um it's not like he's doing anything to get in like posture head. no no like no one's scared of him so like what's the point God, like, no. he's not putting up points like he's not putting up 40 points a year which is what like people are saying oh he put up, puts up 40 points a year on the buffalo power play where someone has to score like uh, they and eventually i mean yeah and they resigned him they saw that yeah he's not very good but they're still gonna resign him and I just, I don't truly an unbelievable, I mean, completely believable because Fletcher's horrible, but like, how did you watch him have that season last year and go, yeah, 25 million bucks. Definitely. So was it five by five? I think five, 5.1 by five, something like that. Jeez. Um, Do you think like they brought in Hayes, they did all these things that like in theory would have like made it like Johnny want to come, even though like it, as early as 2017, he's like on record as saying he wanted to basically play at home. He just couldn't really say it because you're under contract. Yeah. But do you think Hayes went up to the front office and say, Hey, can we like sign Johnny? Just make sure you get Johnny. Like, do you, do you think players like look for these things or, or, uh, and like act like voice their opinions or are they just so like bland that they just let everyone do, do something because they knew that Johnny wanted to go to Philadelphia. Yeah, and, like, Kevin and Johnny are friends, and that's the whole friend group, the BC guys and the South Jersey guys. Like, Mass guys. They're, yeah. yeah, they're all they're all pals. Uh, and uh, it's I, – I doubt he – hockey's so different. Like, I'm sure superstars go up to the GM now and then and will do something, but I think it's so much different. You know, I, I guarantee, you know, a superstar quarterback – goes up to a general manager and is like, yo, we could really use a fucking receiver, you know? Uh, I, I wonder, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if it's that prevalent in hockey. Yeah, well, like, I'm not expecting it to be like the NBA where the star yeah, or one of the exactly. stars is like, to like demand runs for certain team. players. Yeah. But like, when it is known for five, for four years at that point, that, oh yeah, like the guy from South Jersey wants to come home. Like, you would think that people in the front office or people they talk to the front office and players would be like, yeah, like let's make sure this happens and we don't screw this up. Cause this is so rare. Like I, and I guess to the one good move that Fletcher made. And I thought about this yesterday was that he saw that Hayes had just been dealt by the Rangers. He probably wasn't going to go back there. Boston didn't have the cap space. Hayes wanted to go there. 
he just played in Canada. Like he didn't like it. He wanted to come back to the Eastern half of the U S. So he just traded for his rights and then signed him. Even if like long-term it's a little bit of an overpayment, like at the time it made perfect sense at a time where like the team need to take a step. So I guess that's like the one, that's the one good move. And, and you vocalized yeah, I, like that's the one good move that he's made. I, I was for the Hayes signing and thanks a lot, Harris. And I, I still like, I don't think it was a bad move. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little too, little bit too much money, whatever. Uh, but uh, so much like maybe we were just connecting dots that weren't there. But it just seemed like every move for a couple of years was like preparing for Johnny, and then it just never happened. But I guess we're gonna have to get over that eventually, right? Uh, not right now, but eventually all right uh there's no more speaker requests there are not so we're gonna wrap it up there uh thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out and if you haven't had enough of me well you're in luck because at 2 a.m uh until 6 i will be hosting the sports radio 94 wip overnight show so you can hear me right there uh tune in on the odyssey app or on you know fm radios whatever whatever you got going on uh, 94.1 WIP to hear me talk about all the sports in this uh, this fine city. I will never turn down a Flyers call. Now, I'm not really supposed to, you know, make the Flyers a topic and push it. But, hey, if you want to talk Flyers, give me a call. 215-592-9494. All right, that's it. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, hanging out, download, subscribe, etc. Broad Street Hockey, wherever you find podcasts. You know the whole spiel. Uh, My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.